I happened to be sort of randomly cruising along. I was actually in my car um, texting and I was <laughs> uh, illegally, I guess. But, um, you know, as you do. And I did a post on Twitter. I sent an emoji and I'm like, you know, I always think in my mind, you know, I'm always the digital space and text and uh, the internet and, and all that. I always think we should be using our own languages first, um, especially when we're communicating with each other. So I went back home and I just did this random post. I didn't know that anyone would ever see it or, you know, I didn't expect anyone to really take notice of it. But I think I did about 10 emojis and I put the art under name for the feelings and emotions and different things. People just started sharing it and I think, I don't know, I've got a few thousand shares and likes and it went, went pretty crazy. I'm Tyson Yakuporta. And I'm Ellie Rennie. And this is Disconnect, a podcast about the internet in remote Indigenous communities in Australia. My name's Joel Little Parula, and I'm an art and a band from Alice Springs, and I've family all over Central Australia. And yeah, most of my interest is, is in not just preserving languages, but also making sure that, you know, every Aboriginal person and, and non Aboriginal person that wants to learn within this region can learn a language. Um, and learn their language, I think it's uh, critical that every single person actually has access to learning and they have access to resources. And so that's the angle I come from. And, you know, that's sort of what I've been... That, that's because that's what all those older folks have instructed me to, to say. <laughs> so when they, you know, when I'm sat with these older people and, you know, they teach, have taught me language and stuff, which is... I've been really lucky to, to have some really good mentors... They always say things to me like, you know, we we developed these dictionaries and these resources four odd five decades ago so that you young people can learn and read and write and so now we want you to use them. The digital world is good at replicating the physical world in many ways, one of which is creating barriers to inclusion and diversity. Emojis are a perfect example of that. I just think that it's um, it's more of a case of you know we need to advocate now in this in this generation for everyone to be speaking their language and be bilingual and bicultural in this region. So that's the angle I come at it from. I'm going to send you something, Tyson. I tell you, if you send me something weird that blows up my phone, I'm going to get wild over you. Ooh. That's sweet. So what is I got that? The, um, got the Aboriginal flag on a handprint. Look, full disclosure, I've never used emojis before. Okay. So that hand that I sent you with the Aboriginal flag, mm-hmm. there's also inside the app some audio, the Aranda word for that, which is this. Ilja. Ilja. And then when I press on English, it tells me that means hand. Nice. So should we see what they had for uh, the cup of tea? Hand. Here's the Aranda. So that's actually hot tea. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I might say my tongue, but then um, uh, my spouse, she would, um, she it would be spelled, it's spelled uh, K-A-P-A-T-I, cup of tea. Emojis are just totally fascinating in general. Linguists debate this, but a lot of them argue that emoji is actually the fastest growing new language in the world. 
Well, hi, I'm Caddy Brain. Um, I am an Alice Springs-based independent curator and producer, and I produce the Indigimoji project with a big, beautiful team. People use them all day, every day in their communication, and a lot of young people only use emojis, in fact. So I would probably say that I use emojis like an old person where I use different texts and then we'll add an emoji on the end. But a lot of young people use only emojis in their correspondence with each other. Uh, And so emojis are just a totally fascinating um, new way of communicating. But it became really apparent, I suppose, over the last few years, the way that representation occurs within emoji, it's really only representing some cultures and some points of view. I'm Kate Miltner. Uh, oh wait, sorry. Should I say doctor? Is that annoying, or should I say? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, say it. I think okay. I think say it in this case because it is a research podcast, so that's fine. Okay. Hello, uh, I'm Dr. Kate Miltner, and I am a postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Edinburgh. And given this is a research podcast, we thought we should get an academic to define something everybody under the age of sixteen knows already. An emoji is. Um, a pictogram that is used to represent uh, objects or emotions or states of being that are uh, embedded into the Unicode code base and appear on our phones. More and more emoji have been working to address different types of diversity, inclusion and represent more cultures and more languages and more kind of, of people. But when the project began, was at a point where that was just really beginning. And so there was a huge amount of conversation happening around Australia about why can't we have an Aboriginal flag emoji? There had even been an application to have the Aboriginal flag included in the official emoji set, but it was actually rejected because of two reasons, as I understand it. One is that it doesn't have an official regional code, so it's not like an official country flag and also it didn't or failed to demonstrate widespread global usage and so this kicked off huge discussions around Australia among different communities saying why can't we have an Aboriginal flag emoji and why can't we have our own emoji sets. So the revolution was already underway when Joel and Caddy started thinking about emojis. So much work has been done in this space by different people around Australia. This project comes, I I guess, has flown out of the work of so many people, including um, Noongar man Derek Nunup, actually, who put together a huge petition to see the Aboriginal flag included in the official emoji set. This story starts with the moment of realisation we heard at the top of the episode, Joel Little's tweet. So it was a tweet that came out that had a beautiful list of the the standard Unicode emojis with Arunda words beside them. And the internet could not get enough of this tweet. It was retweeted and favourited again and again and again. And so Joel, alongside Veronica Dobson, as well as Kathleen Wallace, um, became... I suppose, the the overarching guiding, we called them emoji bosses. So they um, began to guide the process of developing an Arunda emoji set here in Central Australia. 
emoji bosses, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> more fun than yeah. cultural advisors. Or... That's right, or reference group. <laughs> yeah. Aranda is the language of the people of the same name in the area that centres around Alice Springs in the Northern Territory. There were no Indigenous emojis when the Indigemoji project started. So Caddy, Joel and the team set about putting together a workforce. And that's when we discovered the youth program at the Alice Springs Public Library. So more and more young people were spending time at the Alice Springs Library a few years ago. And so a whole lot of youth workers and artists began getting together to um, spend time with these young people and engage them in the space. And this became the home for the Indigemoji project over that summer. We had seven weeks straight of workshops. They went seven days a week. It became this crazy, loud, fun, lots of laughing, drawing, creating kind of hub. We got a whole lot of uh, local artists in the space and they were supported by the awesome Indigimob who helped them as digital mentors be in the space. We began talking and saying, who are some different people around town that might be available and might want to come in and have some incredible artistic skills? And Graham Wilfred Jr.'s name came up and he's just the most supportive, beautiful, talented graphic designer who just brought so much heart to the project. So my name is Graham Wilfred Jr. I'm actually a Yolngu person from Nooka community, east of Arnhem Land. The whole emoji project that I was working on with other graphic designers, I learned so much, like the language of each symbol. Got to meet the elders that were giving us permission to, to use this particular uh, symbol, as in a kuluba or boomerang, the umra, the goanna and the thorny devil, the desert rose. That's what this project was about, sharing knowledge and using the sharing of knowledge as a way to protect and preserve it. Caddy says Indigimoji isn't going to be the last project to pursue that. So the team built into the emojis the bilingual aspect of the Central Australian culture that we heard Joel talking about earlier. We have uh, the Goanna um, in English and in Aranda language, and it's also based towards letting people know that, to learn more about it and to inspire them, I guess. The Emoji Project is also just the beginning of all sorts of projects to come, I would say, that look at different ways of embedding the different languages of the world more equally into our digital platforms so that more and more people um, can use those platforms and feel, you know, as though their culture is included and their languages matter. The official emoji set was designed in Japan in 1999 and it was developed for a certain mobile phone network to kind of bring emotion into what can be quite cold sort of digital text and very quickly it gained popularity throughout Japan and then sort of flowed on throughout the world as people there was it just revealed a huge appetite for emoji as a different way of communicating online 
But of course, because we all use different types of phones and different platforms, something needed to connect that imagery across that. And so the emojis were adopted by Unicode. The Unicode Consortium is a standards body governed by the International Standards Organization. So Unicode is used to make sure that all computers globally can talk to each other. Once again, that's Dr. Kate Miltner. I remember back in the day when you had a PowerPoint, you couldn't open up a Windows PowerPoint on a Mac computer. You had to use whatever software was on Mac. So basically Unicode allows for, if something is written in Unicode, any computer can understand it and open it. So it's about universality and sort of translatability across computing machines and environments. You can apply to have an emoji included in the official Unicode set, but it has to meet really certain criteria. And the main one is to demonstrate widespread usage across the globe. Widespread usage across the globe is not something that's easy to establish, especially for a language group that's one of a couple of hundred Indigenous language groups in Australia. And it's a big deal to be part of the Unicode emoji set, because that means every mobile phone in the world can use your emoji set just by tapping it on the keyboard. In the course of the Emoji Summer of Love at the Alice Springs Library, many ideas for different Indigemojis were tried out, and one in particular stuck in Graham's memory. One kid came in and said, oh, let's do the flag, the uh, Aboriginal flag. So throughout the design process and the weeks of workshops, it became really clear how important the Aboriginal flag was to young people in the space. They made all sorts of amazing um, emoji designs incorporating aspects of the Aboriginal flag, including the Quatera one, which is, uh, looks a bit like a crown, which was a wildly popular emoji um, that emerged in maybe the second or third week of workshops. And, of course, at the moment, the uh, copyright for the Aboriginal flag is retained by its designer, Harold Thomas, and is at the moment um, licensed through a company called Wham Clothing, which is a decision he made. Most listeners within Australia will know about this part of the story already, a contentious public debate over who should get to use or own the Aboriginal flag is ongoing as we upload this episode. In order to uh, realise, I suppose, all these beautiful designs um, that the young people made that included the flag, we approached Wham Clothing and asked permission to include the flag and a set of three others that were the most popular designs among the young artists into the set. And they granted us permission to do so royalty-free. It already sounds like an uphill battle to get an emoji approved and onto keyboards around the world, but Kate Miltoner tells us that that's not even the half of it. Kate has done research into the racial inclusivity of emojis in the Unicode set. She says Unicode didn't want to take on the role of the racial referee. It's not our job to do this. We are a standards body. We don't want to be seen to be getting involved with the very messy business of representation. And that's it. So that was how the first emoji set ended up getting encoded the way that it did. And so for a while there, and you may remember this, emojis were one color. People were very confused as to why the emoji looked like they did. 
There were several petitions that were created that were aimed at Apple in particular. There was one that was like, there are no black people, but we've got 12 different moon faces. Like, why do the emoji that we have look like this? We want emoji that are more representative of the people who are using them, which was almost everyone at that point. So that was probably around 2013. Despite Unicode's reluctance to get involved with racial politics, they found that this was something that they really couldn't ignore anymore. So they started to have discussions about how do they incorporate more racially diverse emoji within the set. And so what ended up happening was one of the things that I neglected to mention earlier is that, you know, Unicode was very invested in this idea that their standard was neutral, right? That it just kind of operated in this kind of neutral way, that it didn't have any politics and, you know, that it was just, it was universal and it was neutral and it didn't sort of bend in any direction in in terms of politics, which, you know, as anybody who studies technological systems, like you, you can't avoid having politics. So, in their desire to avoid any politics, they actually ended up taking a stance. There is no such thing as neutrality when you're when you're dealing with built systems. They they do different things and they reflect the the value systems and priorities of the people who create them. That was that kind of that kind of digital denial uh, happening and that 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 colorblind racism um, expressing itself in a way. Yes, exactly. What they ended up doing was they, instead of just saying, we're going to have these different skin tones, they decided to incorporate the Fitzpatrick scale, which is a six-tone dermatological scale that's meant to measure skin pigment. And one is the lightest skin tone and six is the darkest. And so the whole idea that there was sort of this scientific taxonomy that was being applied to emoji, it was seen to sort of distance the issue of race, because it was just talking about one is a light skin tone and six is a dark skin tone. And we're not getting involved with any race like this is it's dermatological science that we're dealing with here. But as our other scholars have pointed out, this might not be it might evade explicit characterization. But obviously, the skin tone and race are are implicated in ways that you can't really separate them. <laughs> yeah, so there were some people who raise the issue of, okay, so how are we going to, to do this, right? Like, are we going to have the darkest skin tone first? Or are we going to have the lightest skin tone first? And there was this whole debate about how is this categorization going to happen? And they ended up getting into a really heated debate about whether this one engineer was creating a tempest in a teapot and basically introducing politics into something that is really apolitical. It's a standard, right? So basically what, what ended up happening is with, with the, Uni- like the majority of the Unicode members' insistence that they were working with the standard, the standard was neutral, it was apolitical, it ended up, by not acknowledging the politics of race, they ended up sort of operating from the sort of colorblind racist standpoint, the idea that I don't see color and race doesn't exist, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how that ended up working. I think that the research you did is is so fascinating for the way that it exposes this assumption of technology as being neutral and that people who create standards 
are doing so in this this objective manner and that there is some kind of um you know constant agreement that we can all uh build around and construct our society on uh which is just completely false and i love the fact that it was something as pictorial um, as emojis and something so seemingly um, fun and benign that became such a contested thing. You know, if you look at, at critical race theory, most critical race theorists would, would argue that race is not necessarily something that is biological. Uh, it does have, you know, connections to people's biology in the sense that if you have a darker skin tone, then your lived experience is going to be different than someone with a lighter skin tone in the United States, for example, or I would say probably most of the of the Western world. Basically, that that there is a relationship between race and technology that sort of like racial difference is constructed in many different ways, but it is often constructed by and through technology. So if we think about the history of photography and how different skin tones have been represented, if we think about the way that race is represented within like media and film, and now the way that race is represented within technology. Um, Also in terms of perceptions of technological expertise and skill are connected to racial identity. And also race operates in very specific ways within the environments where technologies are produced. So if you think about, there are all these different ways in which race connects to technology and operates as a form of power in and of itself. So the Unicode set has expanded and been made somewhat more diverse since its inception. But many say it still has a way to go. And given it can only ever contain a finite number of emojis, maybe it always will. But that hasn't stopped movements to change in. Over time, different people have been like, well, I want different things. I would like a taco or a dumpling. So there's a woman named Jennifer Aitley, who is now on the emoji subcommittee, who basically, she created this thing called the Dumpling Emoji Project. And she basically was like, dumplings are pretty universal uh, across world cuisines. Like, why is there no dumpling emoji? And so, you know, her involvement with the dumpling emoji project and, you know, she has been very, <laughs> yeah, she's been very invested. emoji project. Yes. Yeah. I think it's, um, let me. There's a lot of hungry that. people who could use an actual dumpling. But she succeeded, right? Because there is a dumpling emoji. I use it all the time. So there's a dumpling emoji and there are many flags, but no Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander flag. So we went straight to the top, or at least we tried to. We contacted Unicode and heard nothing. Here's Caddy Brain again. You know, there's been a lot of success stories about including different types of emoji and growing diversity and inclusivity within the emoji set, and it's getting more diverse all the time. But essentially, when the Aboriginal flag was rejected, it became clear that it wasn't an easy process and it can take 18 months or more to get together a really strong application to get a new emoji into the official set. 
So it became clear to us that if we really wanted to, I suppose, make a set that represented Central Australia, we were going to have to do it ourselves. And so the sticker set that we developed was our solution in the meantime. So a sticker set does behave quite differently than the official emoji set. Uh, so that does limit some of its functionality at the moment. So they just behave a little bit different when you use them on social media platforms or within um, your text messaging. Uh, so we would love to see them included and adopted, you know, more broadly in these platforms, but that would require Facebook or Instagram um, or Apple or Google to adopt the actual imagery of the um, Indigemoji set into their platforms, which so far hasn't occurred. There's been some good news since, though. So there is a boomerang emoji that is um, going to be incorporated into the official set um, that was co-designed with a teacher in Victoria, which is Justin Stankovic. So bit by bit, um, diversity and a different, you know, sets of cultures are being represented in emoji. So instead of emojis in the keyboard that comes pre-packaged with your phone, Indigimojis become a sticker set in an app and you can download it for free right now and it's deadly. So we launched the Indigimoji free app uh, in November um, of 2019 but the project was just, it was just huge. Um, there were over 40,000 downloads in the very first weekend of the app coming out. There was just an outpouring of love and support of people saying, oh, I've been looking for, you know, for a set of emoji like this for so long and I'm so happy to have these on um, my phone and be able to use them. Here's emoji boss Joel Little again. There's nine or so languages spoken around Central Australia still today and I want to see... Um, you know, some real effort put into supporting those languages and especially those ones that are that are under pressure. I always think, you know, for every person that's not speaking or learning their language, then our languages are weakened. There's no reason that we, we shouldn't have people publishing in, in their own language. There's, or, you know, doing books and blogs and um, YouTube and, and these sorts of things, um, news media, it should be all in language. Um, subtitle with English if you need to but but you know um, we really need to I'd be really keen to see projects like that evolve from from something that Indigimoji started I guess it's my season season and I make it look easy easy Freeman Freeman you never see me see me can you hear me That song was Blackfellas by Nookie from the album Deadly Hearts 2, courtesy ABC Music, licensed by Australian Broadcasting Corporation. The Indigimoji team are keen to hear from other language groups in Australia who might like to make an emoji set of their own. 
You'll find links to download the Indigimoji app on Android or iOS in the show notes, or just search Indigimoji in the App Store. We'd like to thank the elders of the regions we travelled in the creation of this podcast and during the research that underpins it. Disconnect is produced by RMIT University, led by Ellie Rennie, Indigo Holcomb James, and myself, Tyson Yakaporta. Our producer is James Milsom, and production assistance from Campbell McNulty. Thanks to Sam Kinnanmon for additional research assistance. Telstra is funding the project as an action within their Reconciliation Action Plan 2018 to 2021. The Indigimob program worked with us on this episode. Indigimob is a partnership between First Nations Media Australia and Telstra.